separating farming and non-farming assets between heirs, bringing in outside investors and management, and preparing for life's unexpected challenges are just a few of the issues to consider when building a succession plan for your operation. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Sarah Muirhead. This episode is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website at unitedanh.com. Joining our Anne Hess to walk us through some various succession planning scenarios and to discuss opportunities and challenges within each plan is Jim Marzoff, Vice President of Business at Pipestone. I think in agriculture, I think most operations, we just assume they're passing that family farm onto, onto family. Is that, are you still seeing that is the case? Are you seeing more outside professionals entering the business? So, so the profile of my farms that I work with are, are family farms. Um, family members are, are key components of that. And for, I would say for almost all of them, uh, one of their values or mission their, their mission on their farm is to transition it to the next generation. And so I see very rarely uh, that an outside organization will come in as part of that transition, like to manage the farm. Um, that, that rarely happens in, in the population that I serve. And I would say mostly because um, while these farms are big business, they're not big enough for an outside organization really to to get super interested in um, providing management. What I do see a lot of is, um, as I said earlier, the families are laser focused on trying to transition that farm to their heirs. And so um, uh, that that is, I'm going to say, 95% of the time uh, that when there's a transition that, that, that occurs, the other, uh, the other 5% of the time is to non-family members. And, um, and it's been real fun to watch some of those happen where the farm family has to go out and find their successor and find, find the way to navigate that. So, and I would say rarely do I see a liquidation. So a business succession planning is, is definitely a, a process. What, Yep. business elements are part of that I and mean, do they need to occur in a certain order yeah so as families start to address this um you know i've like i said i've been working on this for a while um I, i've kind of divided it into three buckets and i think they they go they go like this the first thing to transition is management right and management transition ends up really being the confidence it's the opportunity for next gen uh, generation two, uh, if generation one is transitioning the farm to generation two, um, it's really generations two opportunity to, to build confidence that, that they can do it, right? They can take over the day-to-day, -day, they can get things accomplished, they can execute the plan on a daily basis. And uh, that, that's, really the, that's really the first step. And then um, I, I'll use this example. I'm not sure it's a the perfect example, but uh, if if you want to own an airplane, which I don't own an airplane, but if you want to own an airplane, you you 
likely want to own it by yourself, but you may need to own it with somebody else. And um, you want to have confidence in the other owner that they're going to manage the plane so that it's safe and and uh, whatnot. So you may uh, you may work with them for a little bit until you have confidence that you want to own the plane with them. I would say a farm is very similar. And so once you've generated the confidence, then the ownership piece comes and uh, the next generation generally wants to have a little skin in the game. Um, and that that ownership process can begin to occur when generation one knows that the business is in good hands. And then I would say the last piece of that is the, really the leadership. And I find that that is the hardest thing for families to, to transition because you really, you may have a matriarch or a patriarch in the business who kind of has always been the leader. They've always been the visionary. And so transitioning that piece to the next gen generally takes some time. That is, that does not happen. That does not happen right away for sure. It's unrare. Uh, it's rare if it does. So. Yeah, absolutely. And leadership and, and management. And I liked your analogy talking about, you know, buying an airplane. I, there's a lot of, a lot of different aspects to consider there. What, specifically do we need to see maybe from the business side before that farm is ready for succession or the next transition? Yeah, I, I would say from the business's side, think of it this way. Uh, generation one needs to prepare the business for as if it's to be sold, right? Um, and so if you're going to the market and you want to sell a business, you generally want that business to be relevant. You want it to be the right size, the right scale, the right sophistication. You want it to have quality assets that people are willing to invest in. And you, you obviously want it to be profitable and you want it to cash flow. Uh, investors are interested in distributions. They want return. And so if you aren't building that as generation one, looking to transition it to generation two, um, the second question that that from the generation two side, I see coming in and I encourage gen two to uh, ask this question of themselves. Is this a business that I would want to own, right? Is this something that if, if, if it weren't for the related party element here, would I actually be interested in buying this business? Um, and I think what I see is that so often there's this, this expectation that Gen 2 is going to take it over from Gen 1. And I, I just think if they stood back for a minute and they thought of it as a third party transaction, like I actually need to make sure that I've prepared my business for sale so that Gen 2 wants to be the buyer, wants to be the owner. Um, th those are generally the, from the business side, That's th those are the things that should happen ahead. Do they always? No. No, not always. And um, I've just, I've watched, I've watched situations where Gen 1 gets to the end of their time where they can see the end of their time and they haven't done a good job of trying to make sure their assets are quality assets, generating decent returns. And then we have this moment where everybody says, mm, I'm not sure you know, Gen 2 says, I'm not sure this is for me, or I'm not excited about coming back and joining this. So I, I think that's, it's maybe a wake up call for Generation 1 as much as anything that don't take Generation 2 as your exit strategy for granted. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I was, that leads to my next question about, you know, the willing predecessor versus the qualified successor. You know, walk us through next scenario, person or group coming on board and the different approach you have to work with for each of those. Yeah, I would say as we talk about the predecessor and the successor, the predecessor is the is the outgoing party. Um, in order for business succession to work and to be effective and and um, and efficient, generation one, the predecessor needs to be ready to make their move. They have to come to terms with the fact that we're I'm ready to start the process. And then, um, and it's really interesting to watch um, owners try to wrestle with that. Um, it's the finality. It's we all go through this at some point in our lives where we have to wrestle with: Am I ready to retire or not? Um, <clears throat> and hopefully, uh, we do it once. Um, <laughs> but in a lot of cases, there are people that don't do it once, and they get a little practice. But um, they need they need to be ready and willing to step aside to engage the process. And then they also need to leave themselves enough time to execute. Um, I think of a family that I worked with recently here where, you know, Gen 1 is in their 90s. Gen 2 is in their 60s. And I think about, okay, have we left ourselves enough time practically? And why did it take us so long to, to for Gen 1 to be ready to make their move. So, and then from the successor side, I would just say um, when Gen 1 is evaluating their successor choices, um, and it may be one, it may be many, are they competent and are they capable? And when will you know the answer to both? <laughs> which is a little tricky because you kind of need to get them, you need to get them, they need to have some external experience or they need to sit in the seat on the farm so that you can evaluate whether the competent and capable and are they bringing things back to the farm that are, um, I would say values, traits, attributes, skills that make sense um, for the next generation. And you talked about if there's multiple errors, um, you know, what about those ones that, like you said, maybe are not focused on that day-to-day -day of the business that more concerned about that one-time transaction, how does succession plans incorporate those folks? Yeah, no, it's a great question, Ann. Um, gen, uh, the generation two generally has a, an heir apparent, right? And then there's those others who have identified that they are not the heir apparent and they, they, either gone and found something else to do or were never really interested in the farm to begin with. But then it depends on how, how much, how important family is to the family, like including making sure that they have treated the, their heirs fair, um, um, fair and not an equal are not necessarily the same thing, but they've wrestled with the fair and equal piece. And if, uh, some of those non-farming heirs still want to participate, then how do we include them? There's two things here. How do, if they want to participate, how do we include them in business ownership so that they, they get a fair return for their share of the business, but they don't have the ability to, I'm going to say, upset the apple cart, right? It's, we've spent 
we spent generations trying to put together the farm. We don't need a generation to dismantle the farm. So we need to be careful in how we do that. And then if they're not interested in being part of that long-term, then maybe what are the what are the assets that we want to carve off and say, all right, here's your piece. You're not part of the farm operation. You won't see distributions from the farm like the rest of the family will, but we're going to give you your piece of the pie, the piece of the rock. And so um, that may be that may be a parcel of land. It generally isn't buildings. It's usually land. It's not equipment. <laughs> it's usually those things that um, are easy to manage or easy to quickly um, turn into cash. So let's talk outside the family. Who should Gen 1, do they need to go to for help with putting together this succession plan for the farm? Yeah, I, I advocate for building a team. Um, and the team, the number of members on the team may be different for each family. Um, if you have if you have a tax advisor who is interested in more than just the tax liability and trying to manage the tax liability um, then maybe the tax advisor can play multiple hats or the the attorney can can wear multiple hats but i, I carve the hats out in in three sections one somebody needs to be watching the tax liability for sure it's um it's probably the thing that holds us up from transitioning is the, the uncertainty of paying tax and how much tax will this trigger. So um, it likely will trigger tax. Everybody needs to be familiar, be aware of that. It's just how much tax does it trigger is the key. Um, the right legal structure. So having a, an attorney on the team um, would be great, should be great. Um, in some cases, some of these entities aren't really, you know, we might have folks who are in, in um, I'll just use C Corps, for example, and C Corps um, were real popular, you know, in the 80s. Um, we may be functioning in C Corps, but there may be a better entity to transition through than the C Corp. And then I would say finally, so that's the, 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 the tax advisor, the attorney, and then third would be some sort of facilitator. And I, I've played that role. I'm not a CPA, I'm not an attorney, but I've certainly played the role of facilitator here as we try to keep the process moving and make sure communication is happening um, throughout that and under, you know, try to help folks understand what it is they're actually doing. Um, Sometimes we can get lost in tax tax code and legalese. And so trying to help folks navigate that and ask some questions and, and keep the process moving, that's, that ends up being a pretty valuable part of the process. Lessons learned here from your lifelong career in agribusiness. You know, what would be your top three pieces of advice when it comes to succession planning? Yeah, uh, top three, top number one goes like this. We call it succession planning because there's an element of planning that must take place. Um, we need to dedicate energy, time, resources to the effort, engage the team, uh, make sure that we're planful in how we move forward. And, and it doesn't make sure that, that it's not a, not a fire drill 
right? We give ourselves time to evaluate what are what the options best, what options best fit us, and uh, and and we just give ourselves. We're just planful. That that I see that is like it, this is one of those things when you're busy with day to day. This is one of those things that's very easy to defer, right? I'm gonna kick the can till tomorrow, and I'll I'll make the call tomorrow, or I'll. I'll sit down and actually start trying to think through this or I'll start studying my options tomorrow and pretty soon tomorrow's here and uh, we should have already transitioned the farm. So that that's number one. Number two is this communication. Communication is the key to this. Um, and and coming back to to it on a regular basis, that's where the facilitator is so important. Um, the facilitator is going to make sure that that we all get back to the table to have a conversation and move the ball forward because it goes in steps, right? And, you know, it's not a one and done. It's not a build the plan and then execute the plan and walk away. It, it That's not generally how it works. It takes some time to move through it um, and you have to communicate. I would say also um, on the communication side, Make sure you're having, if you're generation one, make sure you're having your conversations with generation two to make sure that you're not assuming that they're your exit strategy, right? Because they may not be assuming the same thing. They may be a little more guarded and saying, gosh, you know, uh, it might be a thing that they don't know if they can do it. Right. They look at the job you've done and they're not sure they can do that. So I just wouldn't assume that generation two is your exit strategy. Make sure that they have buy in before you start down the process. And then three, as uh, like I said, is facilitation. And I would just say this is uh, this is an evolution. You may you may get five years into it and something might change. Right. And so we have to be we have to be able to ebb and flow with reality and, um, you know, day to day in the business. And uh, we may need to call an audible every once in a while uh, in the plan. So those are the I would say those are the the big pieces that I've learned as I've worked with families as we go through these things. But uh, can't underscore the team enough. Need to have, make sure you have the right need to have the right players on the team so you can be successful. Our thanks to Jim Marzoff for joining us here today and sharing some thoughts on succession planning. This episode is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting their website at unitedanh.com. I'm Sarah Muirhead, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. If you would like to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast channel, including Apple and Google Podcast. Until next time, have a great day, and thank you for listening.